So does politics belong in the church? As Christians, do we have an obligation, spiritually speaking, to be involved politically? That's the question we'll answer next on today's broadcast of Graceful Truth with Pastor Steve Converse. Join us. Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, this is Graceful Truth with our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse. Today's message, simply entitled, Politically Incorrect. We're going to stop apologizing and start proclaiming the truth, how to have an impact as a Christian citizen. Welcome to the broadcast. We would invite you to join us today. We've got a variety of scriptures we'll be looking at. A very important topic, especially in this current political season. We need to know how to act and respond rightly and biblically if we're to be Christians in this world, but not of it. Also, at the end of the program, we've got a very special conference coming up in just a very short amount of time. It's a Bible prophecy conference featuring Dr. Tim LaHaye and Dr. David Hawking. We'll have more at the close of our broadcast, so stick around. For now, here's Pastor Steve Converse with today's broadcast of Graceful Truth. Well, Election Day is almost here. If you don't believe that America is the land of promise, all you have to do is turn on the TV and listen to some of the, the commercials that these politicians are giving us. Promises, promises, promises. Um, I'm reminded of a four-year-old little girl who tugged on her dad who'd been watching a political ads, and he, she was begging him to stop and uh, read her a little fairy tale. And weary of seeing all these endless campaign ads, he agreed, and he started reading the fairy tale. Uh, But she interrupted him, and she looked at him right in the face, and she asked, Daddy, do all fairy tales begin with once upon a time? And he responded, no, sweetheart, most fairy tales begin with, and when I'm elected. (laughs) You know, that's sad, but it's true. It's sad, but it's true. I I once heard a a preacher say that if Christopher Columbus were around today, he could have been the greatest politician of all time. And the reason was this. When he left, he didn't know where he was going. When he got there, he didn't know where he was. And when he came back, he didn't know where he'd been. And he did it all with somebody else's money. (laughs) Well, we can joke about politicians and statesmen and things like that, but that's true a lot of the times. But we need these men to lead our country, and therefore we should support those who fit in the realm of biblical standards and morality. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 2, it says, When the godly are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked are in power, they groan. Now, in America, for the godly to be in authority, we have to vote for them. I was down at the coffee shop the other day, and someone was saying, another Christian actually was explaining to me why they wouldn't vote for a certain candidate because of his religion. And I said, well, you know, I I don't think we're electing a church leader or a pastor. We're electing a president. So I think we have to look a little further than his religion and maybe look at these individuals' moral, moral values that they hold. Uh, elections are the basic part of how our government works. Um, government is one of the three institutions God established along with family and the church. 
Paul states in, in, in Romans chapter 13, verse 1, that governmental authorities exist, that exist have been established by who? By God. So God is the one who established this. Now the question is, since God established the institution of government, would he then tell his people to stay out of it? No. God expects us to get involved. God expects us to make a positive impact on the upcoming election, one that would reflect the morals and the values that we see that would honor Christ in the Word of God. So I titled the message today, Politically Incorrect. Stop apologizing and start proclaiming the truth. How to have a positive impact as a Christian citizen. God expects us to not only be involved, but to pray about our involvement. Stop and think. The Christian who founded this wonderful nation and who shaped it at its inception were founded on Christian Judeo principles. Did you know the first representative assembly in America convened in the church at Jamestown in 1619? And here's why they did it. To establish one equal and uniform government over all Virginia, which would provide just laws for the happy guiding and governing of the people there inhabiting. When the pilgrims came one year later in 1620, they were blown off course and didn't make it to Virginia, where they would be governed by the king's charter. So they decided to draw up their own governing document, the first created in America, called the Mayflower Compact. It begins with this. In the name of God, and it gave this reason for their coming, for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. So we're talking about the positive influence of Christians on America and the culture and the government. You may know that Connecticut is called a constitution state because the constitution The first constitution in America was enacted in 1839, called the Fundamental Orders of Connecticut. But did you know that it was based upon a pastor, Pastor Thomas Hooker's sermon on Deuteronomy 113? Did you know that the first educational law was passed in Massachusetts in 1641 for the purpose of ensuring that children would be able to read and understand the scriptures? That was the purpose. Did you know the first university in America, Harvard, was named for Reverend John Harvard? Or that it was founded to train ministers, and that for over 150 years it was distinctly a Christian organization, education. Did you know that the first hospitals in America were founded mostly by Christians? That it was the Quakers in Pennsylvania and the Puritan ministers of New England who led the fight against slavery in America? Did you know that 93% of our founding fathers who voted for the Declaration of Independence and crafted our Constitution were professing Orthodox Christians? And that even of the handful who were not Orthodox Christians, each one respected biblical morality as a basis for our laws and valued public religion for maintaining order and civility. I mean, even our very first president, George Washington, said that the twin pillars essential for supporting a successful society are morality and religion. What kind of religion? Was it just any kind of religion? John Adams, our second president, clarified that when he declared this, the general principles on which the fathers achieved independence were the general principles of Christianity. 
See, again, we're talking about Christians founding, molding, and shaping America. Did you know that our form of government reflects biblical principles? In fact, representative government is based on Exodus chapter 18, verse 21, where it says, Select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men, who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Our system of checks and balances in our government between the branches is based on the doctrine, basically, of the sinfulness of men. It's Romans 3.23 that says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In fact, there's three branches in Isaiah 33.22. The Lord is our judge, the judicial branch. The Lord is our lawgiver, the legislative branch. And the Lord is our king, the executive branch. It is he who will save us. So when you look back and you see how the Christians were involved in the founding and shaping of America's culture and government, it's the devil's lie if we believe it. Well, there's a separation between church and state. So we ought not get involved in politics. Now, don't get me wrong. I still believe God is sovereign and God will put into office whomever he desires to put into office. And we need to respect that. Nobody wants a national tax-supported state church. And nobody wants state control of churches, which is what the First Amendment refers to. Does that mean that God and government are to stay separate? That there's somehow this wall in between it? Well, that's not what the Founding Fathers believed or practiced, beloved. Does that mean that there's to be no influence from Christians on the culture and government? What did our own Lord say in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16? He says, you are the what? You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. In other words, we're to have an impact in the society in which we live. We should witness and share the Christian principles and values that we find within the word of God. So make no doubt about it. Our nation was founded on Christian principles and Christian values. We need to bring our Christian faith and values to bear on the culture and on our government, just as we have done from the very beginning. Well, secondly, when you think of an election, you think of voting. And I want to think of Christians voting in America. This is one way that God has allowed us to be involved. I mean, when we vote, we help determine who will lead our nation. That's a rather significant thing. We determine who will make our laws, who will protect our freedoms. So voting is a simple act with a significant impact. Founding Father Samuel Adams said this, Let each citizen remember at the moment he is offering his vote that he is executing one of the most solemn trusts in human society for which he is accountable to God and his country. Many of the Founding Fathers considered voting as a sacred responsibility. Voting is a, is a, is a privilege, it's, it's a freedom, it's an opportunity that millions in other parts of the world can only dream about. Yet, still strangely, many Americans, even Christian Americans, choose not to vote. Less than half of those eligible to vote actually do in any given election. In fact, out of 60-plus million evangelical Christians in America, nearly half failed to vote in the 2004 election. And there's a lot of different reasons for that. But Jesus said this in Matthew 22, Give to Caesar what is Caesar, and to God what is God's. See, to obey the commands of Christ, America's faithful must participate in the government and in America. 
And that's the democratic process of voting. If you and I don't participate, then we're not really fulfilling Christ's command. In fact, when Christians retreat from the arena of government, we allow Satan to prevail in a place where Christ commanded us to make an impact, to be the salt and the light. There's an old proverb that's been around, and it's still true today. It says this, bad politicians are elected by good people who don't vote. Christians need to vote. Believers need to vote. Well, how do we vote? How do we arrange our vote to get the the best, most biblical and moral government possible? Well, I think, first of all, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, you can turn over there, 1 Timothy chapter 2. Follow along as I read verses 1 to 4. First of all, Paul writes, Then I, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. We need to seek God in our government. It says there, first of all. First of all what? Pray. Pray for our leaders. Don't just criticize them. Pray for them. Pray for their wisdom. Pray for God's wisdom to somehow overrun them and and give them the wisdom they need to lead our nation according to to the Christian principles upon which it was founded. Pray that they would come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. When's the last time you've prayed for our president's salvation? When's the last time you prayed for our senator, our congressman's salvation? The only way our nation will be changed is through the gospel. This isn't a political action sermon. It's a sermon to remind us of the, really, the the responsibility we have as Christian citizens in this wonderful country in which we live. It's only through a relationship with Jesus as Lord that our elected officials will lead in such a way that they will be able, that we will be able to live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. In Second Chronicles chapter seven verse fourteen, if we do not pray for our nation and our leaders, not only will we continue to have little impact on the direction of America, but we are literally sinning against God. Pray, pray for the leaders. Secondly, support your government. Say what? Support it. There's a couple ways you can do that. First of all, pay your taxes that you're required to pay. That's the teaching of Jesus over and over. Point out that there's a lot of waste and questionable spending. We know that. But you know what? That's not our problem. We need to make sure that we're paying our fair share of the taxes as required by the law. Secondly, we need to make sure that we're taking pride in our government. So many times we criticize government, me, inclu- me included, you know, bureaucracy and all this stuff. But you know what? It's one of the finest governments in the world. There's not one other nation in the world that people would strive to come to because it was found on those principles. It's good to be patriotic. You don't need to apologize for that. Thirdly, submit to the government. You say, well, what if the government does something that's not biblical? That word in, in 1 Peter and also in Romans 13, the Greek word for submit means to fall in rank under authority. See, government, the reason government exists, beloved, is to keep order. It's to punish the evil and reward the good. That's the sole purpose of government. 
Now, yeah, they've overstepped their boundaries in so many different ways. We know that. But that just goes back to all of sin and falls short of the glory of God. That's why we have a government of checks and balances. But we have to submit to the rule of law. Christians of all Christians ought to be model citizens. If we rebel against the rule of law, when really we're, in fact, rebelling against God who ordained it. Romans 13. We're to show these authorities respect. Sometimes I hear people talk of our president in such a demeaning way. Whether you agree with him or not, he's still the president. And whether that's a president or a congressman or whatever, they're an official that's over us, whether you like it or not. And they demand and they should re- receive our respect. And then fourthly, stand up to your government. George Washington said this, Government is a troublesome servant and a fearful master. See, sometimes we have to stand up to our government. Sometimes we do have to, to step out and say, no, this is not right. I'm not going to do this. We're going to talk about some of those things. But there's even examples. Daniel and other areas where he stood up to what was wrong in the society. And we obey God rather than government. So we have to make those calls but we do so prayerfully. I'm not big into civil disobedience. I don't think that's, that's necessarily the way God would have us to deal with it. I don't believe going out and carrying a placard and protesting really does anybody any good at all. I think the way to change America is change people's hearts through the gospel of Christ. But to do that, we need to be praying for their salvation. As Christians, we need to use our freedom really to defend our freedom. Because if we don't defend it, we may lose it. Sometimes when you speak out, especially in this day and age, in the political environment we find ourselves in, people look at you a little weird and say, well, you know, I don't want to talk about that. Sometimes people need to be educated on the matters. We must stand up. We must let our voices be heard in the same way. And then, fifthly there, we need to select our government. Go and vote. Make sure you're registered. Make sure you're, you're ready to go when that day comes. You know, that, that's just kind of common sense. Well, what are we to vote for when we do actually go and vote? There's a couple things listed here, and we're going to spend the rest of our time on these. Christians voting our values. You know, we don't just vote for the sake of voting. Now, I know that sometimes you get that ballot, and you look at all those propositions on there, and your head just spins, and your eyes roll back in your head, and you're thinking, ah, I don't know, whatever, you know, because you can't even make sense of the stuff. And you've got to do some homework. You've got to get some other person's expertise and, and kind of figure out what's going on with some of these things. Don't just, you know, walk away from it and say, I'm not even going to go. It's a privilege. But don't just vote. Vote your values. Vote for what would honor Christ, what would honor God. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of Christians even don't c- consider Christian values when they vote. Often they'll choose candidates that are at total odds with what the Word of God says, and their own beliefs, and their own convictions, and their own values. A study by the Pew Forum of the Religion and Public Life a few years ago showed that 62% of Americans say their faith has little to do with their voting decisions. That's a lot of people. And that's tragic, because that goes against what Jesus wants. Jesus expects us to influence every part of the culture and the society as salt and light. And that includes the democratic process. There was a founding father by the name of John Jay. 
And he was appointed by George Washington as the first chief justice of the U.S. Supreme Court. And Jay said this, It is the duty as well as the privilege and interest of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for their rulers. There's nothing wrong with that. Obviously, Christian rulers should have, hopefully, Christian values, right? Well, that's not always true, as we find out. There's a lot of folks out there who use the Christian lingo, but when you look at some of the positions they hold on these key issues, you find out that it's, it's purely unbiblical and not the values of Christ. And so it's important for us to do our homework on the candidates. Don't just listen to the campaign rhetoric. Look at their records in office. Don't just watch their political ads. Look at their positions on certain issues. Think about it this way. Every candidate has his or her own set of values, his or her own positions on important issues. Don't you think that where a candidate stands on moral issues is far more important than the party he or she belongs to? Or the campaign ad that you thought was slick and neat? Shouldn't we vote for candidates who share our moral values as believers? And here's one other thing. I'd be very careful about aligning yourself too closely with political parties and any politician. It's unwise because we need to be free to call on political parties and politicians to repentance when they step outside the biblical morality and the biblical principles and values. There's another founding father by the name of Benjamin Rush, and he worked for elected officials from different political parties. And he was accused one day of being a partisan. And here's the quote that he gave. I have been alternately called an aristocrat and a democrat. And he said this, I am neither. I am a Christocrat. (laughs) See, our loyalties need to be first, last, and always to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. We need to vote His values. Okay, so what are these values? Let's, Let's see what they are. And there's a lot of different opinions going around among Bible believing Christians when it comes to the economy, national security, and all kinds of different things, immigration, all sorts of things. We're not going to get into all those. At this time in American history, let me give you three values that are on the top of the list. Three values, very quickly. The first one is the value of human life. The value of human life. As a Christian, I believe that life is precious. Life is miraculous. It's sacred. It's created by a loving God who makes every human being unique. So many things have to line up exactly perfect for a human life to be conceived and to be born. King David prayed this, My bones, in Psalm 139, My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret. When I was formed in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw me when I was formless. All my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. God is the author and the artist of human life. He's the one who creates us. He's the one who forms us, who fashions us. Life made in the image of God is also a fundamental human right. 
Well, it is our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal his grace to your hearts through the teaching of his word each week. We trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m. We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. If you'd like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. This is our phone number, 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. Or you can visit us on the web at gracefultruth.org. We've got a lot of resource materials available there, more information about who we are. And if you need a map to visit us at Grace Bible Church, that's there as well. Again, gracefultruth.org. And would you please drop us an email? Let us know you paid us a visit when you stop by. Again, gracefultruth.org. Or give us a call at 650-366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. And then don't forget, in two weeks, we have our 2012 Fall Israel and Bible Prophecy Conference. Israel and the Middle East Turmoil, featuring Dr. Tim LaHaye and Dr. David Hawking. It all begins Friday, November the 2nd, 7 p.m., with one session by David Hawking. Saturday, two sessions, 9 and 10.30, and then Sunday morning worship services with Dr. David Hawking, as well as Tim LaHaye at 9 and 10.30. The conference is free, but an offering will be taken. For details and further information, visit our website, gracefultruth.org. That's gracefultruth.org. Thank you so much for joining us today. Until next week, God bless. Thank you.